0: As you read through the New Testament in particular and those accounts of the early church in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. As you read through the epistles of Paul and Peter and the others that are recorded there. You see very clearly certain ingredients which are necessary for gospel outreach to take place and to be effective. And we're going to consider some of those over the next few weeks. And we're going to begin with the most obvious one. But we need to note very carefully the others that are also going to follow. Um, But preaching, declaring truth, making certain statements of truth known, Well, first of all, I want to consider uh, two points and then bring some concluding thoughts. First of all, preaching is God's chosen means for us to do. And then, preaching is God's chosen means through which he works. So number one, preaching is God's chosen means for us to do. Now, some perhaps, when I first started to let you know what we were going to talk about, you might have wondered, well, w- preaching, why, why begin there? Why begin with that? Well, in many ways, it's it's kind of what the Apostle Paul begins with, really. It's it's the one really important theme that he mentions over and over again. There are, as I've said, many other things that need to be there with it. But the very heart of making Christ known is this proclamation. Preaching is declaring by the spoken word the gospel truths that God has given us. It is very simple, really, as Paul puts it in Romans chapter 10. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how will they call on the one who they haven't believed in? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear of him without a preacher? How how will they know if someone doesn't go and tell them? Now we'll discover in future weeks, there's a lot of stuff that has to go alongside the preaching. There's much in our manner and our conduct, for example, that can add weight to the preaching and that can help to validate the message, or do the opposite, But without preaching, it's not gospel work. And that preaching is central to the gospel. And central to gospel work and gospel outreach is made abundantly clear in the Bible. Jesus himself, in Luke chapter 24, says to his disciples, It is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And... That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And so the preaching of the gospel is put hand in hand with the actual work of Christ that we proclaim by Jesus. And of course, Jesus himself was primarily a preacher. We think of his great miracles, yes. But first and foremost, Jesus was a preacher. John the Baptist, who paved the way for Jesus, was a preacher. There's things that people need to hear. And so over and over again, as we read through the New Testament record... And as we read of the work of the early church in the book of Acts and elsewhere, we're constantly having the issue of preaching brought to our attention. In Acts chapter 9, after the apostle Paul was converted, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Acts chapter 10, at verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people. And to testify that it's he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. In Acts chapter 15, we read that Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Acts chapter 17, we find the apostle Paul and it's a really helpful uh, Passage in chapter 17 of Acts. I mentioned this the other week uh, that we read of Paul in a number of places in the Acts of the, of the Apostles reasoning with people. And if it wasn't for the fact that the Bible tells us what it was he was doing, we would be left to make up for ourselves and decide for ourselves what that activity may have been. But in Acts chapter 17, we are told. What it was that Paul was doing. What this reasoning and persuading was. In verses 2 and 3 we're told Paul as his custom was went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying this Jesus Whom I preach to you is the Christ. That's what Paul was doing in the synagogues. Week after week after week. And just like Jesus did with the disciples on the Emmaus road. Took them back to the Old Testament scriptures. That's all they had written down back then of course. And he showed them from the Old Testament. Here is Christ. Let me tell you about him. In verses 17 and 18 of the same chapter. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. He'd, He'd take any audience. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because... He preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And then right towards the end of the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul is before King Agrippa. Um, Paul is under arrest. And he's uh, taking uh, the appropriate legal action that he's permitted to do as a Roman citizen against the, um, the accusations that are being brought against him. And he stands before King Agrippa. And he says to Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. King Agrippa, I'm a preacher man and I've been preaching Christ Across all of Paul's letters in the New Testament, more than 50 times he refers to preaching. That was his calling. That was his life's work. He was the the apostle to the Gentiles. That Christian churches might be established in the Gentile nations. What was his number one method of operation? Preaching. Preaching. That's how all the New Testament churches were planted. Through gospel preaching. It's God's chosen means for us to do. And secondly, it's God's chosen means through which he works. You see, God has said, you are to do this and in the doing of it, I will be at work and I will bring people into that truth that you are proclaiming. Look again at the first chapter of 1 Corinthians from verse 18. The message we declare comes across as foolish to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, that same message, those same words are the power of God. As the message is declared, there will be those who simply laugh and scorn and ridicule. But those same words from the mouth of that same preacher, at the very same time, God will use, God will take, God will work, and he will save. Because the preaching is God's chosen means through which he works. If any man or woman or boy or girl is to be brought to repentance and to trust in Christ by faith. Then God must do a very special work of grace in their soul. You know that. The understanding that they need the convincing that is necessary, the conviction of sin. None of these things can be produced by logical argument or reasoning. It cannot be done. Now, they can go away thinking, well, that was a very fine speech. But logical argument and reasoning won't save people. Because as we read in the second chapter of 1 Corinthians at verse 14. There is a spiritual faculty that is required in the human soul. And sinful men and women do not possess that faculty. And So you can preach to them till you're blue in the face. And unless God does the work that he has said he will do. They will remain unsaved. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. You know that verse, many of you. The teaching of the Bible is that as the truths of the gospel are proclaimed and explained, it is then that God chooses to move in power by his Holy Spirit. And he moves in mercy and he moves in grace. And to that person, that one for whom Christ died, that one who was known and chosen even before the foundation of the world, in that one, the Spirit works and salvation comes. Or maybe two and three or four. Or five or six or seven. Or on the day of Pentecost, 3,000. But it's exactly the same in each one. God works to grant them and to put in them that essential spiritual faculty that they need as the message is preached. There's no scheme of argument or reasoning that can produce that, except God work in this way. And when God works like this, all the barriers and all the arguments that that person may have had will all come toppling down. It doesn't need you to try and dismantle them all one by one. When God works and God convicts them and when God convinces them, all those barriers will topple because God is at work. Well, we'll expand a little more on that next week when we, we think about the very necessary work of the Holy Spirit and hand in hand with that, with the work of prayer. But the issue here is to see and accept for ourselves that God has made known to us in the Bible his means for bringing salvation to the lost through the preaching of the gospel preaching is his chosen means for us to do and his chosen means through which he works so they're the two vital principles that the bible uh, delivers to us about preaching And on this theme, the Bible says a number of other things. And I want to consider these thirdly. Well, one thing that the Bible teaches is that God equips certain ones specifically for the work of preaching. Now, we read about that in Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4. Some of you know this little uh, section of the letter very well in 1 uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 at verse 11 he himself who's he christ christ has equipped and gifted people in his church he still does today some to be apostles well that was for new testament days their work is done some prophets some evangelists Some pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. There are certain ones who who God specifically equips for the work of preaching and for the proclamation of the gospel. A very specific task of standing. And addressing people in the kind of ways that we find in the Bible. In Paul's day it was in synagogues. Today it's in churches. In Paul's day it was in public places. And still preaching can take place and should take place. In public places. That's why we wholeheartedly support the open air work. In the market square. In the city centre. In the shopping places. Wherever we can go. Or sometimes before groups of people who request a hearing. As happened in New Testament days. Certain ones are specially equipped by God for preaching. Uh, Secondly, we can't all preach like that. We're not all called to preach like that. But you've all got a mouth in your face. You can all speak. You can all tell people of Christ. You might not be a preacher, but you can all speak. We read in Acts chapter 8 as the believers were being scattered from Jerusalem outwards because of the great persecution that they were under. Those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Wherever they went, they were telling people about the gospel. They were telling people about Christ. And the Apostle Peter says, doesn't he? Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that you have. You can all do that, can't you? You can all speak. You can all tell people this is what Jesus means to me. This is what it means to me to be a saved believer. And to do it with meekness and fear. So actually this involves all of us. This is something for you all to do. Thirdly. It is essentially a simple task. It is essentially very simple. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Here's Paul. When I came to you, I came with a huge team. I had big big video screens and all kinds of razzmatazz. And it was a huge event. And it whipped everybody up into a fret. Wasn't Paul, was it? When I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech. Oh, wait till you hear this man open his mouth. We weren't saying that about Paul. Or of wisdom. I didn't have all kinds of clever arguments ready. Declaring to you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I've come to tell you about Jesus, the one who died for your sins. That's the message. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. This wasn't some man with this larger than life personality, this great resolve, as bold as a lion. Far from it. Far from it. Weak, fearful, trembling. My speech and my my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. I spoke simply about Christ. God worked powerfully in you. That was gospel preaching in New Testament days. That's how people were saved. That's how churches were planted. It is essentially a simple task. And in its simplicity, God is glorified. It must also follow that if the spoken word is so important, there must be certain words that are spoken. What is then the gospel message Well, we've covered most of it already. There are verses that state clearly and explicitly what it was that was actually preached. The Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins, who was buried and who rose again. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 1. We preach Christ crucified. And then those wonderful opening four verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me just remind you, Corinthians, of the gospel that I preached. Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, was buried, rose again the third day, and all according to the scriptures. That was it. Because it is essentially a simple message. but there's also a necessary response and with this I close a necessary response must be pressed upon the listener belief and repentance belief in Christ belief meaning trusting faith and repentance from sin you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 10. He commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that it's he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead, speaking of Christ, of course. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will have remission of sins. Repent. Turn to God. And then show the evidence of it. Peter. As recorded. In Acts chapter 2. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then later. This was declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem throughout all the region of Judea, then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Live a life that demonstrates the reality of the faith you profess in Christ. it really is so very simple and yet it is so profound whatever kind of activity we undertake if it is to bring others to saving faith in Christ it must it must at some point and it will hopefully be the main point the verbal proclamation Of these glorious gospel truths of Christ. And an urgent, urgent plea to respond. To believe. To repent. To turn. And to trust in Christ. And if there's anyone here who hasn't yet done that. Today is a very good day to do it.